All right. Um, okay, well, let's just get started, and then we'll, I don't know. I mean, we'll see how long this takes, and then we'll kind of go from there. Uh, all right. Welcome to Podcast X, episode 45. I am your host, Ben Kendrick. I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Keys. Hey, it's a new year. You know what? I can't remember the last time we did one of these, but um, we tried to, right? We had many conversations over the last weeks or months. <laughs> I feel like a lot has happened in those two months. Yeah. Like personally, professionally, yeah, all sure. these things. But there's a lot of catching up. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people were like, where did these guys go? It's like we kind of just like – um, well, I'll say before we, we get into this, we're also joined by special guest Kofi Outlaw. You. Um, but yeah, the three of us were texting like multiple times throughout kind of like around Thanksgiving and then like going at, well, American Thanksgiving, going into the holidays and like we had every intention of like hopping on several times, but it's like my wife had surgery. Rob was like in freaking Africa Kofi was, what were you doing? You had like, you had, did you just do a staycation during that time or were you just around working? I feel like you did a bro. staycation or something, didn't you? Nah, bro. Like, don't worry about what I did, man. I'm just, <laughs> I did special guests off the book stuff. That's what I did. Okay. <laughs> special guests off the book stuff. But yeah, we, uh, we talked multiple times about hopping on and we're going to try our best to be more consistent in 2024, but you know, just always, uh, we, you know, ask our listeners always just keep in mind we're like parents and husbands and also working now. It's a, uh, it's a little bit, it's a little bit crazier out there than it was in our screen ran underground days for us. Yeah. But, um, but we're here today to kind of recap 2023, talk about some, you know, favorite shows and movies and maybe talk a little bit more about like, you know, what we're looking forward to in 2024. So um, there's been a lot of news the last couple of days, too, that we want to maybe try and touch. But we might do that in a separate a separate episode here, you know, in the next week or so as well. So um, we'll just kind of we'll kind of roll with it, see where we go. We're going to be a little bit looser, I think, in 2024, trying to try and just like let these conversations take us where we want. So that's where we're starting today. We're going to be uh, recapping some 2023 stuff. So um do you guys want to start with favorite movies of 2023? That seems like a natural place for us to to start. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how many were you thinking? Uh, I think I put in the email five, but but I, we can we can go smaller or bigger. That's insane. We can do less. We can do less. We can do less. I do like the whole last podcast or like other podcasts. Uh, I've done. Yeah, I can't even. I can't even do this anymore. Uh, 2023. What is it now? Like January eighth. Uh, let's do three. I can do three. I got I got you on three. That's as much as right. I'm committing to. I think we did three last year, if I remember correctly. You guys should just really man up and pick like two and just make some oh, stand on. on some decisions here. <laughs> see? Uh, I see. Right, three plus five this special mentions. No, I'm just kidding. We'll do three. This is what we, we get into, man. Okay, so do you guys want to do, do you want to count down together or do you just want to like go around and do like your top three? We can do it. Last time we did a countdown, I think we all did three and then if we overlap, we kind of talked about it. Okay. Uh, all right. You want to go first, Rob? Oh, shit. Um, okay. Oh, okay. No, no. 
I can go first. You go yeah. first. Okay, I will say, and then we can do Kofi and then Rob. I will say my number three favorite movie of 2023 was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Nice. Yeah. Um, I, like, Rob and I and Kofi often, like, in the Screen Run Underground days, like, used to talk about all of our, like, turtle action figures. And Rob had all the cool shit, like the blimp and stuff no, like no, that. No, 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 no. I, I had the, the turtles with the shells that opened up and had weapons. One of you guys had um, a pizza shooter or something. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I was a bit of an apologist, I guess, for the the Michael Bay Turtle movies, especially the second one, just because it kind of was just like a live action cartoon and actually brought like Bebop and Rocksteady and stuff into the into like live action. But I have to say that like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem is probably the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles property in like, you know, 20 years that felt like a reflection of like the experience that I had as a kid watching that cartoon. And obviously like there's a lot of subversive things that it does with, with characters and, and the mythology and everything. But I thought it just like really, really worked. And it was like perfectly suited to be kind of like a Seth Rogen type type vehicle. So I um, like, I wasn't even presently surprised. I like the animation a lot, but I thought like a lot of people initially were comparing it to like Spider-Verse. And I felt like it did a really good job of kind of differentiating itself while sort of drawing inspiration from some of the good stuff they did in Spider-Verse. So that is my number three. Um, Interesting. Starting off with animation, I love it. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, Rob. Okay, okay. Uh, because we're doing three, I'll, I'll change it up. And I, I'll share some love with Blackberry. Um, okay. I'm saying this over the holdovers, even though I just saw the holdovers and it got some recency bias there. But Blackberry is pretty special to me because it's like um, it's a it's like a close to home movie. Like it's shot and takes place in Waterloo, which is like down the road from where I live. I followed and was kind of like I felt like I was part of that story in real life as it developed. I had friends that worked for Research in Motion, then you know called Ram. Now it's called Blackberry, the company. And I, I followed the whole story of Jim Balsilli when he tried to buy NHL team. My father even like invested getting pre pre buying season tickets if that team was going to move to hamilton and all this craziness but um it's such a canadian movie it stars jay baruchel of course uh matt johnson directs it and, and our man glenn howerton finally getting some recognition mm. he's getting some awards love he, in fact he just got the game changer award at the astros uh over the weekend or last week um and he's getting some some love across the board and uh i know i know kofi and i and, and others have always been a huge fan of him from from always sunny and he's always deserved more big screen love so um yeah, yeah. i'll say black is a cool one and I, I remember i think i may have talked about it here in podcast next but i went to see that in theaters and it was like just me <laughs> that was the only person there <laughs> uh so yeah great movie i wish more people saw it and i think they will now after the award season that's awesome yeah i uh i haven't seen that one yet you got so it to your to, list uh, Check it out. I'm sure if I was still in Canada, I would have been more motivated. Mm -hmm. um, all right, Kofi, number three. Uh, this is, if you guys ever listen to the uh, hopefully award-winning podcast X, you can hear me give like a much more comprehensive. Actually, no, I didn't think about it then either. <laughs> and I'm not going to think about it here now because none of this is that important. So. Yeah, I'm not going to rack my brain over this. If it sticks out, no, keep it obviously easy. I liked it. And if not, then obviously I forgot that shit. And that's okay. <laughs> uh, so let's just start with what I remember from 2023. Uh, number three, I'm going to have to say was 
Uh, these were all kind of pleasant surprise, I think is like a theme of my list in a lot of ways, if it ends up being my list as it's taking shape in my head. Also, all of this shit is bullshit because I don't think any single one person can really keep in mind how much shit we watched over streaming yeah, sure. and theaters like in one year yeah, or more. Like there's some movie that was great that I'm forgetting about somewhere. But um, the ones I can remember, uh, Scream 6 would be my number three. Mm, uh, it was, I went to go see that kind of like a night I went like tonight. It was like, okay, here we go again. You know, the Scream 5 was pretty good reboot of the franchise, but Scream 6 seemed very rushed. Uh, it came out really fast and everybody was like they had taken away the one thing that really defined scream which was location 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 and yeah. had set it in new york city and everybody was like what the fuck is this gonna be and it turned out to be one of the best scream movies i've ever seen uh one of the best horror movies i saw last year and uh it seemed like scream was all of a sudden back at the forefront of the of like horror franchises um Melissa Pereira and and um, uh, I can't believe I'm blanking on Wednesday girl's name Jenna Ortega, mm -hmm. where yeah. that movie pretty much solidifies them as like the new scream queens of that franchise, and some pretty badass things set up some pretty complicated stuff with Barrera's character in particular that looked like yeah. it could really pay off in a third movie, and uh, it's like now it's even more <laughs> valuable because. It is also 2024's one of the first examples of how to blow the fucking bag, of which <laughs> there is more talk about, you know, but uh, it's an ongoing book, How to Blow the Bag. And uh, Scream really did it. They, you know, everybody got heated. Everybody got heated during the, you know, terror attack against Israel and the Gaza Strip and all that, but... Only Scream seems to have taken it to the extreme of like blowing up the entire franchise under itself. Yeah. Like, Stranger Things kids are still up there posing for fucking pictures together in the production office. And they're yeah. putting their arms around Noah and they're all smiling when they get that last bag of, of season five money. See, they're not yeah. dumb. Uh, these, man, Scream just really blew the bag. And so now we're just like, well, there goes Scream again. We're back to back to the drawing board. So Scream 6 is now even more valuable. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, you know, without getting into all that too much, it's like, it is weird, like, how many properties, like you mentioned, you know, Noah and Stranger Things. It's like, yeah, I mean, people are, like, boycotting that. But, I mean, this cast, like... No, Twitter's like boycotting that. I now differentiate between, like, yeah, yeah, Twitter true. and yeah. reality. Nobody in real yeah. life is going out yelling about Noah Schnapp or anybody else. Like that's yeah, not no, really that, happening. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, okay. Do you want to move on to your second pick, and we'll do it that way, or do you want to oh, circle we're, back? We're sna oh, we're snaking. Sure. No, I like I was, snake well, drafts. Snake. Yeah, let's do a snake draft. Snake. Goes quicker. Right. Um. Uh, my second pick would be, I think I'm going to go up there with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. This is a pick where I'm going to say, again, it fits the theme of things I didn't think would be that good because they were just like reheating franchises or, you know, just not original ideas. And so I, I didn't have like a whole lot of faith in this one. But it turned out to be like... Uh, really really good as ben said i'm not going to reiterate everything it had one of my 
favorite from like sequences of the year, which was the whole no diggity montage when they were fighting different crime. Oh, that was awesome. Uh, syndicates at once, like in Ice Cube yeah. was good as a human fly. So like, who saw that coming, right? Like, but <laughs> yeah, it was just it, it made Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cool again. And in a way I, I hadn't seen before. And I had been playing with this toy since the 1980s. So that was a good uh, that was a good one. And I'm just going to say the second pick with the caveat of also saying I just want to say it with a caveat of also saying that, yes, I know Spider-Verse came out, but I expected that to be good. And upon rewatch, it's just even getting better. But it didn't defy my expectations. It, it, I expected that to be the bomb, and it is. So that's yeah. why my animation pick there at number two is Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, I would, I would say that too. I think I kind of chose between those for my picks, and it's like, it feels like, across the spider versus like a given whereas mutant mayhem was like oh this is like this turned out really awesome so it yeah sort of fits that uh all right rob uh, yeah i'll just add to that because we i know we gushed about um mutant mayhem when it came out and i think kofi and i both said and maybe you did too ben uh that it, it you know obviously the cast youth and emphasize the teenage part of it but it, it generated yeah. excitement for the ip going forward with the tv show and future movies that we haven't felt you know, I felt like a kid again, like I was in the nineties and that's like a very hard thing to do. Um, especially when you're transitioning from what people expect to be another live action movie into like a different style of animation and doing yeah. such a great version of it. Again, if you look at the history of TMNT, like, there's so many different versions stylistically animated wise, right? From the 2d stuff, to the weird yeah. 3d show to, to, you know, to this. So, uh, good on them and, and Seth Rogen and that whole crew for, for delivering. Um, Okay, so for my second pick, I'm shifting things around here, but uh, I'm going to say John Wick Chapter 4. Um, this movie is one of those rare movies that, like, blew my mind. Like, the, I, and I, we said it when we talked about this uh, Podcast X, but there are two action sequences in that film, one involving a car, one involving a top-down camera, like a video game, that I do not <laughs> understand logistically how they crafted this and how many takes it took. They just put so much work into that. And, and Chad Stileski and, and, and the Keanu and the, and the whole teams in front and behind the camera spent a very long time fitting every best idea they could and whittling, whittling that down and still having a very packed movie, but a long movie. And, and kind of, in, in their words, and in my opinion, I agree, it, it, making up for the errors in, in, in characters and some of the scene setups and and uh even some of the action scenes of two and three i think two and three were uh, as much as i enjoyed them and i think they're great movies i think they're was it, they're, that franchise was on downward trajectory and from our four <laughs> interviews with chad about the fourth movie he felt <laughs> the same way so they put everything they possibly could into this one and, and i think they delivered um despite that one goofy you know staircase sequence which felt wild but uh it i thought it was just an incredible must-see big screen action film and i you know whether it's possible or not i do want them to see i want that to continue um with some sort of version or spinoff of, of john wick five so uh fucking love that movie yeah yeah that one's great uh now that you that was that was kind of in my top three and i'm going to allow because you've covered it now i'm going to i'm going to change mine just because i wanted to shout something out that i saw recently that i i really dug and like we you know kovi and i get all the like award screeners and stuff like that and you know, like end up seeing a lot of sort of the award award bait films towards the end of the year. And like I've seen, I've seen like a lot of good 
Like, I, I, Kobe, have you watched Saltburn yet? I watched Saltburn a long time ago, bro, before Christmas, yeah. before it came out and everybody caught yeah. on. If you go back through my tweets, there's one where I say, <laughs> all I said was, I wish, because I, I never watch trailers anymore for anything. Yeah. Like, and I was like, I really wish in this case I had watched a trailer about this movie first, but <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed it. But I was just like, I really wish I had watched a trailer for it first. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not what it is, but like, I, you know, I, we watch a, like, we watch a lot of these things, or at least I do towards the end of the year. And there's a lot of ones that I would like to shout out, but one that I watched just the other night that I really enjoyed was Iron, the Iron Claw with, uh, oh. with Zach Efron. Um, back, like, rewind back into like mid 2000s and before that, I actually used to watch a lot of like WWF and WWE wrestling. <laughs> um, and when I was in college, I had this like, what we called like guys night and we would eat chick-fil-a every monday night and watch like wwe raw and so like i have kind of like this weird little like spot in my heart for like wwe even though i don't like keep up with it really anymore and so um i was excited about this just because like i'm familiar with you know the story of of the family and everything and uh and the history there but just the idea of seeing kind of zach efron in this role after we've seen him in like all this just like kind of silly shit like neighbors and stuff like that where he's he's kind of actually been a standout in some like in some things that maybe we didn't at the time like give him credit for like being able to transition into i was curious to see like what he would do in a film like this where especially with this character who is a little bit more subdued than a lot of kind of the more cartoonish characters that are sort of operating around him and i just i really enjoyed it like i thought it was a you know like i said i, I knew a lot of what happened in this story and was kind of like bracing for all of it. But Ashley and I watched it together and she like, you know, really enjoyed it. It's obviously like a tragic story in a lot of ways, but I thought he did like a, I thought Efron did a really great job kind of leading it. And there's a sort of interesting ensemble around him. And it just, it just does a good job of like telling that story. Um, and I, th I thought it was maybe one of the more like accessible like if we're making recommendations here of sort of maybe some of the more the award bait films that you know people are going to be talking about this year i don't think it's going to get nearly as much love at the oscars as like you know a lot of other sort of films that were uh, i wouldn't bet against it out there's there's a couple things yeah. it could be it's yeah. a lot of for it's gaining a lot of theatrical acclaim a lot of people are going yeah there are consistently going to the theater to see it yeah that's the thing it feels like kind of the it's like that it's like when you look at like all the oscar hopeful films they're gonna be up for like best picture or like actors awards like this feels like one people are gonna have gone to see it's like this and oppenheimer and you know a couple others but but yeah i dug it um yeah, I liked it a lot. There's, I it. yeah there's also a lot of heat for jeremy allen white right with the bear and, and stuff and yeah um, yeah yeah for sure yeah so and and, uh, and it, dude these guys get freaking yoked in this movie oh, too totally. like it's unhealthy <laughs> like, like you know i know that's like the whole thing because they were all all these guys were on steroids and shit but like it it is actually kind of crazy to see like zach efron that ripped like he looks like he's about to explode i'm um, um you know same with uh jeremy allen white and those guys i'm surprised Zach took on this role because he, he's been talking for years about how baywatch like ruined him health-wise physically yeah. and mentally yeah. and uh, obviously he's, there's a lot of talk about his jaw <laughs> restructuring <laughs> to do his alleged kitchen yeah. incident or whatever but um yeah yeah so uh but yeah i mean i, I would it'd be cool to see this one as one of the i haven't seen it but if what you're saying yeah. is true it's it's it could be one of the nine best pick nominees or whatever the oscars does this year yeah i would yeah i mean i would put it up there it, you yeah, know like it's I said, consistently I'm not to take everything but it's consistently making about 4.5 uh, average of 4.5 million dollars a weekend 
There you go. Yeah, I mean, but, shit, that's and, more than and some it, of them. And, <laughs> no, it, it, it's last weekend, it's only drop was 3%. Yeah. So it's, it. it, it's kind of consistently holding. And it may go up if it gets buzz, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I dug it. Yeah, I don't sure. think anybody's explained was... to people that, like, the average dummy that, like, they can go see, like, Zac Efron and Jeremy Allen White, like, topless and buff. But they're right. gonna get horribly on drugs and pressed and die. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. It's made a, it's made 24 million so far, which is like actually significantly more than like a lot of, of the bigger blockbuster movies probably will make this year. But it's making so. it just on like, but it's making it on mostly just like word of mouth and like critical. Yeah, claim and like, that's it. pretty yeah. much it. Yeah, minimal marketing, yeah. and it's gonna be one of the top streaming hits of 2024, I think, when it hits. So 100. Fucking yeah. Sean yeah, yeah. Durkin. Crazy yeah. ass Sean Durkin. <laughs> Martha, but yeah, Ben, that's full circle. That, that's the director of Marthy, Marcy, May, Marlene. Oh my oh, God. That's right. Podcast. That's right. That's right. No wonder I fucking love yeah. this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's full. I thought you knew that. That was bringing you full circle. Yeah. I had and forgotten. I that he, yeah. I'd forgotten that he directed that. But yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, you're totally right. And also, what's um, her name is like killing the game. Lily. I can't even like. Oh, yeah. Lily Allen. Chameleon. Yeah, Lily Allen. She's great. Lily too, James. And, Lily yeah, James, I don't remember her name. Yeah, Lily James, yeah. Because you don't remember, she's yeah. chameleon. She just like disappears again. She goes from like baby driver. She shows up here and shit. Like, yeah, oh, she's shit. Uh, she's really good in it too. Like I, her performance is like, it's kind. Of, I mean, she kind of gets left in the dust by the end of it. I'd say like, but sort of. Was, I think she does kind of ground it a bit. Um, but yeah, I uh, I dug it a lot. Also, Holt McCafferty like. For anybody, for anybody who knows stories about Holt McCafferty from like my time on the monster truck set visit, it's just like I laugh every time I see that guy. Oh my like, god, yeah. I've told you that. Like that that interview is one of the only interviews I was never allowed to run in my entire time uh, at screen. I, I don't think I remember that story. Like what happened there? He, oh boy. I mean, so I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> just give me the yeah, 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 like, <laughs> He. Yeah, I mean, he told a story about his time on Alien 3 because Max Every, of all people, um, you know, friend of the show from back back in the day, like he asked, he basically, when Holt McCafferty walked up, he was like, hey, you know, like, I loved Alien 3. It's one of my favorite movies. And like, instead of talking about monster trucks, which understandable also, because if anybody even remembers that movie came out, good for you, um, monster trucks, I mean, like, Holt just went off on like a 10 minute, like, I don't even know, tirade about. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a pretty intense story. <laughs> yeah. It, it was not. I think uh, Jillian was the, might have been the PR person for that. And she was just like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you guys can't talk about that. Um, I guess if, so if we're snaking, I guess we got to go to my number one then, huh? Yeah um all right so my number one uh was oppenheimer and i know that's kind of like like i wish i had something more unique to um to talk about and like we don't need to belabor it a lot i know we've already talked about oppenheimer but i think oppenheimer was the one movie this year that i saw that i was like this has to be seen in a theater like there's a lot of movies that i really enjoyed this year that like I had a lot of fun at Cocaine Bear. I had like, you know, a, I thought Blue Beetle was a lot of fun. There's tons of movies that I enjoyed 
Godzilla minus one was great. Like I was glad I went to a theater to see them. And those are all movies I actually like paid to see. I wasn't just going into screenings and stuff. But Oppenheimer is the one that I did walk out of being like, man, I wish they made more movies kind of like this, where there's like such a powerful, like visual kind of component to it. And the performances are great. And the structure is interesting. And you just walk away from it, like really, really moved and taken by the journey that you've been on. Like a lot of these award films that we, you know, we kind of see towards the end of the year, a lot of them are like biopics and things that are you know, well executed like Ironclaw is, but even as much as I enjoyed Ironclaw, like I didn't walk out of that being like, this was a movie that was made to be seen on a big screen. And like, it's the only way to experience this, this thing. And like, I think Mission Impossible and Oppenheimer were the two that I would say that of this year, but I, I didn't like love Mission Impossible and Oppenheimer is probably like my favorite movie going experience of the year. Um, just from story to visuals to, you know, to what it was able to sort of accomplish just as like kind of a cinematic experience. Um, I wish I had something more unique, but I, I really did. I really was taken with that movie. That's my number one. All right. So we'll snake back to Rob. Um, so I, I like how Kofi mentioned he has like a theme for his. It's like things that kind of stuck in his mind. And it, for me, I remember when we talked about this last year, my theme, I, I intentionally chose movies that were like very powerful or unique theatrical experiences. Remember I did like, I talked yeah. about seeing everything, if we're all at once by myself and the craziness of that and, and taking my parents to see Top Gun and seeing Avatar in premium format, all that kind of stuff. This year, my, my, my theme so far has been movies I recommend the most to others. And, and Blackberry being a hidden gem that it's not hidden anymore, but no one really saw that in theater. So... Again, I'm yeah. glad I'm getting his love now. And John Wick 4, of course, I told everyone on the planet you have to see this uh, in, in theaters if you love action movies. And after rewatching like all of my top four or five movies in, in the last like two months, I would say, I think my number one movie has to be Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. And it's because yeah. this movie is so much better than it des- you know deserves to be. And, and so much better than I expected and so much better than it, it made financially. Cause if people just knew, if people just knew how much of a great summer venture, a movie full of heart, it's got everything and a cast to die for. I, I could not believe how great this movie was. And I came out of that movie thinking about this is incredible. And sure. It is not the greatest VFX, but what it does, it's, it's so consistently great in delivering these over the top action sequences and set pieces that I've never seen before on top of doing so many amazing practical effects with the wildest creatures from the lands of Neverwinter and stuff. If you, if you're fans of D and D lore, um, it was really awesome. And I love seeing in theaters and I, I, with all these movies, my wife and I don't have time to watch movies. We watch like two movies a year. We watched the holdovers, which took us two nights. And then the other <laughs> one we watched, I'm like of all the movies she wanted to watch. She's like, I want to watch Top Gun. I want to watch this. I'm like, no, sit down, shut up. We're watching Dungeons and Dragons. And she loved it. So that's Chris Pine, this and that. But it has it has so much heart and it's funny. Um, so I, and upon rewatch, that's the one that I think they held up the most, as in I maintain that high level of excitement. And it's the one I still uh, will chant deserves uh, more love. And I hope somehow they make a sequel. And now I fully understand why Paramount was so confident in bringing this to South by Southwest. They're playing it like a year early, not playing it, but bringing the whole cast to, to Comic-Con, right. having them talk to everyone and having Chris Pine be happy we you know we all have our fucking stories with chris pine in the old sr days doing interviews with us and stuff but chris pine yeah. D D chris pine 
is like loving his life and just so proud of this movie. We interviewed him four separate times in the cast of this movie. And like, that's how confident yeah, Paramount was with it. I wish the world knew, I wish we knew, I wish I knew back then how good it was going to be. Um, so that's the movie I would recommend the most coming out of 2023. That's it. Yeah, that's a good. Dude, I watched that on a plane. I feel like I was like totally robbed of, I mean, it was on my computer. So it wasn't like I was watching on a little headrest or something. Yeah. But I, I do kind of wish I, uh, I gotten to see that in the theater because that was a, a welcome surprise as well. It looked fun from the trailers, but man, it really delivered. Man, like an no. movie. <laughs> wasn't a welcome surprise to nobody. In Paramount, we knew what we had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had faith in Dungeons and Dragons. It was just a cynical world so. out there. True. That's it. I guess so. Yeah. Um, Jonathan, right. long time ago. Jonathan, yeah. <laughs> Jonathan, yeah. Uh, all right, Kofi, number one for you this year. Uh, I'm just going to keep it all I can remember is Oppenheimer. So I'm just going to keep it short because I really wish I was watching Echo right now, but I'm, but I'm doing this <laughs> looking back, but Oppenheimer was my uh, number one. It was, it was just a wake up call after so much bullshit that I can go see adult movies and still have them be relevant to my job. And still get to see like classic cinema filmmaking and there are a lot of people who purported to do that this year killers of the flower moon but um oppenheimer actually entertained as a movie more so than that other one uh and what it was peak kind of christopher nolan for me like what he did with the it was non-linear like the early stuff and, and character driven, like the early stuff played with colors and all of that, but still had those beautiful shots that he started to develop like later on the crazy impossible looking shots, all practical. It had a Nolan script, but still for the first time in a long time managed to get at a character at the center of the story and not just raw theories and ideas and stuff like that. And it was a three hour talkie and was so crazy entertaining with a stacked ensemble cast. And yeah, I mean, just rewatching it. It's just, it, it is just, I mean, we all make the joke, but that is some fucking cinema right there. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, yeah, that's it. That's kind of how it's like, you know, usually I feel like we do these kind of recaps and we have like some really unique picks, but it's like, I think we were all just kind of starving for that kind of movie after a lot of the COVID of it all and he and he did it you're totally right he delivered a movie that was much more coherent than it's like it's like it doesn't get like lost up its ass like tenant or you know or something like that it's like yeah there's different timelines but it's all very clear just good performances and it it kind of all those different timelines like sort of climax all at the same time in a really unique and i think like masterful way yeah it's so. it's it needs to be noted as well like a movie that is a talkie a period piece it's outside of what you'd expect of a nolan blockbuster right yeah and it's long but it's still yeah it is. getting close to a billion dollars at the box office that that's yeah. gives me some hope for the modern movie going audiences you know what yeah. i mean that's a movie like that can can be all and that, that's probably why it's gonna be the oscar favorite right because it's a movie that does it all and, right and makes money yeah. and because we are just three swinging d's up here we should probably mention that hand in hand with this this year was Barbie yeah. on the other side of things for the ladies and that cultural phenomenon. And it's just good that I think we really needed Barbenheimer weekend in general. So that's really my number one, like 
if I have to really yeah. open it up, it's it's Barbenheimer weekend because I went to see Oppenheimer and a bunch of other things after that. But you know what? You know, it was awesome seeing all the Barbie party continue for weeks at a time and then become the Taylor Swift parties and the Beyonce parties. And yeah. There's true. been parties at the movie theater for like the latter half of a year and it's been fucking awesome. Yeah. Bar yeah. Barbie changed the game. It had theater uh, employees and fans dressing up as both Barbie and Ken's, uh, which is awesome to see. I love that. Um, and it made, well, it's going to be at near $1.5 billion, most biggest financial film of the year. So, uh, yeah, yeah game-changing weekend at a time when the industry probably needed that. So, uh, yeah. yeah, good ones. Any special mentions before we just move to the next category? Any other just random ones? Ben, you mentioned, like, some fun ones, like Blue Beetle and Cocaine Bear. But you could throw yeah, in. I thought Blue Beetle was, like, way better than, you know, it ultimately got credit for just relative to the box office. Like, I, I thought that was a really, really fun, you know, especially given that, like, a lot of that feels like kind of like Iron Man, like, yeah. you know, what the what they sort of do with the suit and everything. But I thought it was, like, I thought that was great. I thought it was a lot of fun. I was bummed more people didn't go see it. I had a blast with Cocaine Bear um i mean that was kind of a recurring joke around like the static media slack and stuff was how much i loved cocaine bear and just how outrageous it was and you know directed by elizabeth banks like it's just it's sort of a, a big it was just like a big surprise but i mean it, what's most interesting is like some of the stuff that isn't on here that you know we had kind of talked about about being most anticipated movies like you know flash we had rise of the beast in there like we enjoyed those movies. Well, you, uh, I was going to do this. My, that's my, that's my honorable mention was Transformers. Crazy. Transformers has had a really yeah. good year. Um, they yeah. launched a new comic series that is really awesome. And they also did Rise of the Beast, which was yeah. what I've wanted in a Transformers movie all along, really, in a lot of ways. I've rewatched yeah. it on Paramount Plus, uh, where you can stream it. And um, it got lost in the kind of hustle and bustle of of June and yeah. everything else that was going on. But people have been discovering it on streaming and been like, well, the Transformers movie is pretty good. So that yeah. also fits in the theme of things. I was like, oh, Jesus, Lord, we do not need more of this shit. But I had liked <laughs> Bumblebee, but I was like Rise of the Beast had those Michael Bay vibes like number four. But it was the most fun transformer movie I think overall that I've seen. So thus far, yeah. Best human element, hundred yeah. percent. Um, yeah, I have my beef with the actions and then shooting of that, but what's well, a separate conversation, but, but you know, new transformers movie this year, right? They got the animated one coming out. I think, I think that's the yeah, yeah. one transformers like Cybertron one or something like that. I forget what it's called. With Hemsworth playing Optimus. Yeah. So weird, but, uh, yeah. And then, uh, but and he's young Optimus. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. In terms of fun movies, like I, I in the same vein as Cocaine Bear, I, I put up like Megan, and uh, which came at the beginning of the year. And then uh, the plane. You guys see the plane with uh, Gerard Butler and no, uh, Michael. No. Oh man, that's a good movie. You got you guys got to see that. It's a great action movie for the two of them. And it's gonna get like a weird semi sequel with one of them, so that'll be neat. Weird. Um, huh. Also, Sisu, which was like. Some of the John Wick action guys made that movie. I don't know if you guys remember that. These guys goes around killing Nazis basically <laughs> to get his gold. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that was yeah. cool. Yeah, um, yeah. And Netflix had some hits with Extraction Two and The Killer. I like those. Yeah, uh, and Air. Uh, Killer was Air. definitely a movie. Yeah, it was. It was a. <laughs> it was an experience. <laughs> um, Extraction Two is more my style. That was great. But um, wait, yeah. I was going to ask you, Kofi, because I saw you sharing it on social media. You took uh, one of your kids to see Wish. I think the same time I did. Um, did you also see Elemental? Yeah, I saw Elemental. I've seen Wish. I saw all that stuff this year. My kids were big in them. This was like the year we cracked movies. Yeah, so I saw everything. That's cool, man. I yeah. saw Elemental, Wish. 
uh, Ninja Turtles, Little Mermaid, Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, yeah, man, I saw a lot this year. Yeah, Spider Verse. Uh, oh, oh, that's right. Know. That's right. Yeah. All right, good one. Yeah, I liked Elemental. Wish uh, was was okay, but the, the music I thought was like some of the best of the year. That's why I wanted to call that one out. But we can uh, move on to favorite shows, I guess, of twenty twenty three. Yep. Do you want to uh, snake back? Like Kofi can start with his number three then, or do you want to start with mine? Who just three? ended? I don't think it was. Who just end? ended? Oh, oh okay. was I at the end? Oppenheimer. Oh, yeah, that was the last one. Uh, TV shows. Oh, man. Um, there's a lot of shit from this year. Um, no, um, we're going with my number three. Yep. Uh, my number three TV show for last year would be Spec Ops Lioness. Oh, uh, Paramount hmm. Plus. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Sheridan show about a an elite female-led or controlled special ops unit who does uh, counterterrorism and uh, Taylor Sheridan is killing it on the Yellowstone universe and, and doing that whole nine. But if you want to talk about like his best work that I've seen him do post Sicario, like spec ops lioness reminded you why he was a breakout talent from that movie. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, all right, Rob Keys. Number oh, three. Boy, yeah, this is a there's a lot of good TV this year, and um, there was so much good TV this year. Yeah, uh, I guess for three, I'm gonna change my pick here. Call it Audible. I'm gonna say The Bad Batch season two. I think that was 2023. Oh, very beginning yeah. of the year. I hope. Um, yeah, yeah. This show blew my mind, and it was at a time when, and uh, for years, I've been harping on Disney Plus for just a lack of quality outside of their Nat Geo programming. They, they just like to me, like Star Wars has been so mid to bad, and Marvel has been on decline uh, up until you know we can talk about Loki in a separate conversation. I, I love that too, but the the Bad Batch, like at a time when the Star Wars stuff was just not working for me, um, that was just in, just an incredible evolution of what they've been doing with the Clone Wars and Rebels, um, but. In season yeah. two, the back half of season two, like just ran away with it. They had it almost became an anthology of these separate little stories that, even though it's animated, the way they designed the shots and the editing, it felt just so cinematic with an amazing score, with amazing voice talent and amazing writing. And I just, I'm like, this is so much better than all there's everything they're doing in the Mandoverse with all the money and talent behind it. So, and it just yeah. just kind of flew under the radar. So I was so happy at Star Wars Celebration to see them come out and talk about wrapping it up with season three whenever that comes out so um if you if you like anything with star wars or animation and animation or not you have to go see the bad batch it's it's really awesome um and i'm so happy they it's such an unexpected thing that they even make a show like that because uh, it's like a niche within a niche you know what i mean where they're delving into these sub stories of sub stories and that show kind of lives on its own and it's really powerful i think so i'll call yeah. that one out that's good um all right so number three for me uh i'm gonna say gen v mm. i uh like i am a big fan of the boys tv series as well as you know the comic series and everything and i thought gen v was like i ended we like we had screeners for it so i like i think i blew through like three quarters of the season and then you know put it on pause because we didn't have the last like couple episodes yeah, and the same. last couple episodes like came through or something but um you know like i've talked up the boys before we uh, i think the three of us all watch it and like it but i was 
I always felt like the boys universe was big enough for some spinoffs and, but I was a little bit skeptical of like a college set story because I thought, I thought maybe they'd go like a bit younger with it or they'd try and kind of like dial back some of the violence or, you know, we, we saw, I'm just like completely spacing it. What was the X-Men movie where it took place in that like weird little kind of college and they all had powers or, you know what I'm talking about? New like, Mutants? Yeah, I guess it New was. New Mutants? Yeah, my I, brain, I'm just fried today. But um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you that is kind of the equivalent of like how it could have gone in some ways because there's actually some like parallels in the story and stuff there too. And like, I was like really presently surprised. They just like, it's just like the boys except with college characters. And I thought it was a really clever way of like introducing new characters that then could appear in the bigger show later on. I think it sort of sets up a story that could impact the boys season four. Like I just thought in general, it felt very like connected to that universe in, in all the right ways without having like Homelander and everybody just showing up constantly um, and trying to like lean on those characters to like market the show, the different superpowers that the, the different kids had, I thought we're kind of like a good offset of, of some of it and like expansion of some of the superpowers we've seen in the boys. And I, I just thought it sat really well and I enjoyed it. It was a nice palette holder, I guess, while we sort of wait for the boys season four. And I think it kind of got a little bit overlooked too, just because it, I think it came out at like a weird time. Maybe I guess it was like in the summer when there was like a bunch of other shit in theaters and, you know, people were talking about other things. So if anybody kind of missed that, I'd recommend people go back to it because, uh, cause I dug it. Um, I'm a little bit split on what to do for my number two pick since we're snaking back. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, the last of it's on my list, but I feel like that's probably been talked about more than the other show that I'm going to talk about. I was watching the Gilded Age a bunch this, this year. And so I'm going to put that as my number two show. Yeah. Have you watched the Gilded Age? Nope. God, is this, I feel like this is an unserious podcast. (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no i really dug the guilty i was kind of like looking oh for a show um i was looking for a show like after uh after kind of blowing through a bunch of stuff and we just sort of stumbled on it on on hbo max and like the first season came out you know two years ago and then the newest season you know was debuting like i think kind of like at the beginning of october and so we kind of caught up with it and we're sort of watching it in real time and no i mean i really dug it like there's you know there's obviously a lot of kind of like downton abbey type you know, melodrama and stuff like that. And it's, you know, it's kind of weird to like look back on this period of like the 19 or the 1880s and 1870s and stuff like that. And like what, you know, what would be considered like problematic at the time, like you're not fitting in the society or something. But, but I thought it was fun, like having like, you know, we lived in New York, you and me, and like, it's kind of fun. Like it's set, you know, right next to Central Park before Central Park was like built up and, the way they kind of tie some of the history and development that was happening at that time as the city was like getting built up and like what that kind of meant for the society and stuff I thought was interesting, but I also just like really liked a lot of the characters. Like I'm a big fan of Carrie Coon and she, I mean, she kills it in that, um, in that series. Like she's by far the standout and there's like, there's just like a great supporting cast. I thought it was sort of a harmless kind of thing to like sort of fill my time in between maybe shows that I'm like more you know, I'd normally be more excited about like something like The Last of Us, but I, I really enjoyed it. It was a fun thing to watch with Ashley too. Like she, that was of all the things that I'm going to be talking about in my top three, that's the one that she was willing to sit down and watch with me. Um, 
like she didn't watch the other two with me. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like the best show necessarily, but I, I got really taken with it. I wish there was a season three that I could just like pop on right now. Um, Kofi, you're number two. I, I think it's me. Or wait, Rob, sorry. Rob. Yeah, you go to Rob. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, wait. Um, I think I'll, I'm going to call out Beef. Have you guys seen this on Netflix? The miniseries? Yeah, 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 yeah. Super yeah, yeah. good. Maybe we talked about it. Forgive me if I forget. But uh, yeah, it stars Ali Wong and Stephen Yeun. Uh, it's also got Joseph Lee from Star Trek Picard, if you haven't seen that. Uh, and of mm-hmm. course, Ashley Park, who, who crushed it in Joyride last year as well. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to describe this film. And I, But I, I will say this, like uh, for an adult show, I think every person who has a Netflix subscription must watch this. It is so incredibly funny, but at the same time, so incredibly intense and dramatic. Um, and it just... It's so extreme how it begins in almost a relatable way. But once you delve into these characters, it just unravels in a super fun way. And once you get halfway through the, through the miniseries and in the last three episodes, it just the events and what's happening, what these characters get themselves caught up in just becomes more extreme and more extreme and more extreme. And it ends in a really kind of um, interesting and, and satisfying way. So, um, yeah, Beef was uh, a standout special, and I think uh, everyone involved with this is getting some awards recognition now. And uh, I think Stephen Young just just won actually an award for this. So, um, yeah, good on them. This is uh, yeah, Ali Wong. Oh, Ali Wong won, won as well. They both won gold. Oh, awesome! Yeah, they both won Golden Globes last or on Sunday night. Great. Yeah. I, I just saw the clips of uh, Stephen Young going up on stage and, and talking about that Frozen joke, whatever. And that's the only thing I saw from it. So, uh, couldn't handle that host of that show, so I didn't watch it. But um, yeah, so beef number two. Everyone should watch it. Oh, you just okay. you just congratulations! You just praised two Asian actors and slapped an Asian comedian. No twenty twenty four of you. Uh, very nicely done. Uh, so is it me? I guess. Yep. Um, well, I was gonna do Silo as my number two, but I'm gonna put that to honorable mention because. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, I did love that, but since I since Ben freed this up as not being a serious podcast and. <laughs> Being <laughs> I was like, uh, I was like, oh, I have to like widen my thought. So, I actually had one that I almost would have forgotten about, but I, I managed to pull out. Um, I'm going to talk about "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" yes. season 16, and um, the reason this was interesting was because this was a show that is in its 16th season. Like so many comedy shows, it has been getting played with. You know, oh, it's not funny anymore. Oh, it's past its prime. It's never going to be funny again. Um, they're just all burnt out. Like it, it just isn't the same anymore. All that, all that stuff you usually hear about, like aging comedy series. Um, this season, I wrote about this. Even had fan, like a lot of fans, just kind of almost overwhelmingly saying, "Wow!" Like, you know, there might have been some a miss episode here or there, but like. It, it was funnier than it's been in, in like a long time. And it felt like it recaptured something, which is so rare, but it was also so interesting because there was a difference, which was before this latest season, the creators of the show started a podcast and they started mm. a podcast where they, it kind of is like this podcast. They start talking about episodes that they rewatch, but then it quickly veers off into all kinds of other shit that they talk about the industry or just their craziness as people, as real people. Um, but they, they would use it to examine things in the show. And in the rewatch, they would realize like, Oh shit, like maybe people aren't crazy. Like there are things we realize we did out of like budgetary desperation or just like inexperience that made the show funny that we haven't done in a long time. And they began to see this and 
you can see how they kind of reworked some of that stuff back into the show. Like even a lot of this season is answering like holes in the show's lore that, you know, that they didn't really remember until they went back and started rewatching it. And they were like, Oh yeah, we did once say Charlie <laughs> has like a sister or something, or we've indicated yeah. he has siblings and we've never showed them. So there's a whole episode dedicated to that. And um, it never, it never kind of, it still is willing to, even after getting some of the biggest hits in the kind of fake ass, you know, Kumbaya culture that we tried to create, we're after 2020 and all the horrible things that happen. Um, you know, Sonny has had a lot of episodes pulled off streaming some of the best episodes because of, you know, we can't even be subtle enough as a society to realize like when these characters do lethal weapon six and one of them is doing Danny Glover in blackface, that's people making fun of people who don't see right. those things. Like, and so now we can't watch that episode anymore, but Sonny yeah. episode 14 or season 14 was great from, an inflation episode that now just is even more relevant than it was when it came out back in June to just uh, what was the one Frank versus Russia, which might be one of my favorite episodes of all time <laughs> of just, oh which I did not know <laughs> until later. Again, it was why I love the show. I didn't know till later that that was based off a real story, a real chess. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 I did yeah. not know that. <laughs> then I found out and I was like, Oh my God. Um, but Danny Frank DeVito's Russia face, <laughs> the performance he gave for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Just that whole episode is one of the best episodes I've ever seen. Like, I mean, just even stupid ones like Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul just showing up like in the bowling episode was great. Like it, there was just so much. And and one of the best like Sonny always does this thing with finales where they straight just don't give a fuck they at the finale episode they just always do some kind of wild like just totally out there kind of shit like one finale was them you know nearly drowning themselves in a tank on a boat you know like one like it just it, one was the dance episode with mac and like doing a fucking five minute choreographed dance like and so this one had dennis takes a mental health day which we we're already talking about glenn howerton in blackberry but uh if you want to see why Glenn Harrington is just such a good actor, just watch that episode. Dennis takes a mental health day because it's just a sunny episode pretty much dedicated to him yeah. as just like letting him cook. And it is fantastic. And I just thought I honestly thought I was on LSD by the time I got to the climax. And I was like, <laughs> what is happening right now to me? Like, what is I was like, oh, man, and I was like, I am really having a flashback here. But um, yeah, so sunny. So sunny season 14. Uh, I'm going to put it as my number two slot. Um, yeah, that episode was a bold choice for them. It almost felt like it could have been its own like standalone short movie. Like it didn't even have to be yeah. connected to to the Ellis Sunny universe. It was very well done. Um, Nine point two rating as of IMDb. Season sixteen though, right? You said season fourteen. You meant sixteen. Oh, I, oh season sixteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry about that. Um, Archer, however, season fourteen. I, it's funny. I, I'm not talking about it in my top three, but I mentioned like I just had a big note saying FX. Because I loved Wrexham season two. Always Sunny was incredible. The podcast is awesome. And then Archer, of course, had its final season, plus that little three episode arc for the Into the Cold finale. So I just caught up on that. I'm sad that show's over. Um, yeah. Is it? Oh, Kofi. I think so. Kofi you get to your number Kofi's one. Number one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. I have to do my number one. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, my number one, if you go listen to the hopefully award winning comic book nation, I just went into this on our biggest. 
um, our best of 2023 and our biggest misses. I, we did a thing where we talked about the shit we never got to talk about on the show because we fucked up and just didn't do it. Um, and mine was a deep regret because this was my favorite TV show by far of the year. And that was uh, Netflix again with Blue Eyed Sam- Blue Eyed Samurai, uh, which was mm. uh, by yeah. far my favorite TV show. And just the more I think about it and the more I sit on it and the more I see like the Golden Globes and shit like this and going back over the year in TV, like, yeah, that series is what I need from TV and from streaming going forward. It did not reinvent the wheel. It, it's an anime. It's a samurai tale of revenge from a from a disgraced Ronin who's different and cast out of society. This is shit we've all seen before, but it, it did the work. And this is the simple shit that every streamer and production company and IP builder is trying to fucking get around for the most part. It came in. It said, you do not know a fucking thing about these characters, about this world or anything except the tropes of the lore that you're familiar with. And we're going to make you care. And they wrote out, and not only are we going to make you care, but we're going to make you care about every single fucking episode of television we make and have you watch. And Blue Eyed Samurai delivered. It, it just did it from the ground up. It went from not knowing you at all to being your best girlfriend to like offering some of the single best episodes of TV I've seen, not just this year, but like probably the year before as well. Um, yeah, anybody who's ever watched Samurai Ninja stuff, anime, anything, or just wants to see a grown-up animated story on Netflix binge, like, yeah, this was the best TV show of the year for me. Awesome. Yeah. I need to check that one out. I haven't seen it. But what? It was, uh, oh, my yeah, God. It was, it, was oh hovering, my God. it was hovering in my list all year, and I, like, I just... It's crazy that so many people still have not seen it. Wait, Robbie, yeah. have you not seen it? I've not seen it either, no. Oh my god. Okay. Though this is actually good. Like I'd be willing to do like a little short retro review of this series if you guys watch it. Like I'm down. There's so much going on and so much to talk about. Yeah. Like the story itself is just so it's nuts. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'd so, be down for sure. Samurai. Okay. Uh Rob, number one. Yeah, this is tough. Yeah, part of me wants to scream Loki or because they finally achieved something that Disney Plus hasn't or of course Star Trek Picard, which is like just brought me back to a time. But uh, I'll say Kofi mentioned earlier, but I'll say Silo is probably my number one. Um I kind of had a weird experience with this one because I was so, so, so ill for like a week whenever that came out or before it came out. And Apple's of all the streamers seems to be the best with with providing screeners in advance and giving you all of it without, yeah. without being weird about it they just have a great portal yeah. for that and i was just sick i'm like oh, i'll try this show it's got a great cast whatever and i didn't know anything about it even though we'd be covering it like crazy just i wasn't following along and i watched it and just it just totally pulled me in with the first episode and what they do with the characters and season and then i watched episode two and i just it, i kept going it, it felt to me even though i was watching it like a month and a half before it came out in seemingly total isolation it gave me that internal feeling of watching Lost, like the mystery sort of unraveling in this isolated place, you know? Um, and not many shows can re- recapture what, what Lost made me feel like. And this show kind of did. Um, yeah. And then as I started watching it, I'm like, who is this from? And I realized it's from Graham Yost, who did like Falling Skies and Justified and the Americans. I'm like, oh my God, this is like <laughs> my guy. So, um, and then it's funny, as I started watching this, I get an email from Apple at the time and they said, 
confidentially um they are already shooting season two it hasn't been announced yet do you want to come visit the set and i'm like oh my god and I, I in my head i'm like i'm the only person on the planet watching the show who knows they're shooting season two and i may go visit the set whatever <laughs> and then of course the sag strikes blew everything up and that never happened um, um but i was telling everyone at screaming i'm like you guys gotta watch this fucking show when it comes out and then everyone did and we wrote a lot of great content on it and i was so happy that season two ended up still despite the strike was confirmed and i don't know what the, what the production timeline is but they are making that and uh yeah i love silo it was something special it was unexpected for me and i think apple tv is the absolute uh king of sci-fi television right now so uh, are you are you sure you want to put that out there right now i will because the monarch also, bro uh, monarch uh-huh. you can pretend it doesn't exist and just look at foundation and for all mankind um you know what i mean so like yeah i don't think anyone does it like them but um I'm just Josh. I'm just messing with you. For all my kinds, for a mid show. Yeah. For for fun fact, Silo was the very first sponsored ad drop we ever had on the hopefully award winning comic book nation. Apple TV coming at you. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Hell's yeah. Uh, yeah. And I did it. I was like, please watch Silo, the new movie about the underground world of shooting dice. I believe. The Apple TV Plus has a another sci-fi show coming up. What's it called? Um, oh gosh! Oh, they have Invasion as well, which I've not watched. But, I will. Uh, yeah. I wish I wish I could say For All Mankind was like my number one because like you and I, you know, we've sung that show's praises in the in the past and everything like that. And I I mean I really enjoyed this most recent season. Um, and I know the last episode isn't, I don't think it's out as of recording this, but I mean, if you've seen it and stuff, but I mean, this season was like, not my favorite that show. I still think it's like above and beyond like a lot of shows mm-hmm. in terms of like, just like you were saying, I mean, legacy of monsters is not a, like exactly the best look in terms of like Apple TV sci-fi for all mankind generally is, I still think it's like really great, but I wish that had been in my top three, but it wasn't this year. The, the number one, my number, my number one was silo as well. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I think, you know, and I know Kofi, you had mentioned it as an honor mention as well, but like out of all the shows that I watched this, this year, I think that one came as like the biggest surprise. It was sort of like, I didn't have high expectations for it. I didn't really know much about it. I think Rob may have been the one that, or maybe you were Kofi that mentioned like I should watch it. And then I just sat down and like, I mean, I was up till like two in the morning, four nights in a row, just like binging through all of it. Cause it was so, so engaging and so good. And I think it does give like you sort of said, Rob, like a little bit of like lost vibes. Like there's a, there's sort of a central mystery and, and like you kind of are peeling layers off of that, off of that onion. And then by the end of the season, it like, you see, there's like, you know, a farm full of onions basically that you like all of which, you know, are you're going to have to kind of like navigate and explore and stuff. And there's just like so much that they're going to be able to do with it. And I, I'm, I'm very, very interested. And I mean, the performances are great. I've never been more enthralled watching like a a bunch of like engineers try and fix an engine oh my god that scene yeah like that episode is so gripping and so good and it's like if you were to tell you know if you were to read the description of that episode like you know a bunch of people like work together to try and fix this machine you'd sort of be like oh that sounds boring but that was like one of the most gripping episodes of television that just yeah i've seen in a long time insane Uh, production design but also even that show even he has its own hatch moment just like lost you know what i'm saying when they find yeah yeah, totally so totally yeah 
yeah i mean it it's yeah it's great um definitely definitely a lot of fun and, and definitely one people should be checking out if they haven't constellation um sorry that that's the other sci-fi show coming to apple with um what's your face okay. jonathan Banks oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so they're, they're the kings of sci-fi yeah, yeah. um okay cool any honorable mentions you guys want to knock out for shows and then we can oh bro like, bro i could go on forever like yeah there's so much tv i mean Beef. Look, uh, fall of the House of Usher. Yeah, Last of Us. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, great. Um, Look, we could mention see. HBO had Barry and Succession finales. That was huge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Succession finale. Oh, oh shit. Wait. Yeah. Oh man. What did I say? It's always sunny. Fuck that. I got to give that to Succession as number two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I loved it. It's I always think, sunny. I feel like, like Succession's number two. I forgot about that. I feel like Succession is on all our list. It's just like it was kind of a given. I feel like The Last of Us is that same kind of thing. It's like a lot of people will say that's one of the best shows of the year, and like not I me, don't disagree with that. Okay, well Rob won't, but like a lot of people will, you know, say that, and I don't disagree with that. I just, you know, like, I, I'm like in thinking of things people haven't seen. I'm kind of I'm half joking. Like I actually really enjoyed watching that week to week. I just didn't think it was the greatest yeah. thing ever. I think. I think if that wasn't called, I think the game adaptation and the Pedro Pascal of it all has, has like elevated that a little higher than it should to be. But I wouldn't put it with yeah. the other like ten shows we just mentioned or whatever. But um, they just cast uh, they cast Abby for season. Yeah, two. exactly who we thought it was going to be. Who almost played um, the the lead and in, in for initially I was rumored to be the uh, yeah yeah. So that's funny. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I, I'm I'm curious. I'm curious to see how she. Because I mean, Abby in the game is like, looks like Zac Efron does in <laughs> in the Iron Claw. So I'm curious to see how far they push that yeah, yeah. Uh, with Caitlyn Deaver. But um, um, we so we need like two or three hits from every streaming service, which is cool. They're all kind of delivering, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. Loki was definitely Loki's definitely honorable mention for me. I, I mean, I probably would put that in my top three in some ways if I wasn't, you know, trying to like shout outs and things that maybe some people haven't watched like uh like silo or gilded age but i mean that was a great end to that show and that was definitely probably my favorite you know disney plus show to date i, I still think that's just production design music performances timey-wimey doctor who stuff that i love um like it would it's definitely one of my honorable mentions for sure yeah i'm with you it's, it's um, the closest thing marvel has to to andor andor is still the number one for me but yeah but, uh, yeah it's it's, yeah. it's their first like x super super awesome through and through marvel show for me on disney plus so yeah did you guys uh just before we move on did you guys play any video games that are like what you want to do like favorite video game of the year we don't have to do like a top three but um i've just played both zelda games all year mine's short and sweet that's it i'm that's about awesome, to finish man. tears of the kingdom i played it with my son started breath of the wild in whenever tears of the kingdom came out i started breath of the wild because i bought it when i bought it my switch two years ago or a year ago whatever they were fuck it no two years ago and then i, yeah. I hated it so i never got into <laughs> it then i tears of the kingdom came out and i was like fine i'll try again because a bunch of people convinced me and then i loved it so me and my son have played from april till right now we've been playing both zelda games and we're about to finish Tears of the Kingdom, and awesome. we're just filling in the rest of all the maps. I've done everything in that game. That's awesome. It is nuts. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my game of the year, and I just started Spider-Man 2 because I got a PS5 for Christmas, and just getting into that. But, uh, no, Tears of the Kingdom and Breath the whole Zelda experience was my number one. That's awesome. I got derailed on Tears of the Kingdom. I was also late to Breath of the Wild, and then I ended up getting sucked in and really loved it. But, I don't know, somewhere along the line I got 
derailed probably just only a couple hours in the tears of the kingdom i need to go back to it well it's so big um, that you can literally i mean it, it gets it can be too nebulous because it's so just big you can forget what the fuck you're doing at any given point yeah yeah that's awesome um rob yeah i, I um i barely played new games this year to be honest um and i've been since the kids i generally avoid long single player games but i did get into spider-man 2 a bit uh, a couple hours and my kids, because <laughs> my wife wasn't home, I let them kind of watch. I wasn't sure what to expect. And, like, my son was screaming, losing his mind, loving, like, all the whole, like, Sandman intro sequence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, so Every good, time I yeah. punch one of the little mini Sandman, he just lost his shit. <laughs> well, that's how, I mean, that's how yeah. I got into it, though. Like, my yeah, son yeah. was, I was playing Miles Morales, and he came at the tail end of me playing Miles Morales and saw me like doing that and then he was like holy shit and he was like what is this yeah and then i told him what video games were and then he sat down and he saw me playing zelda because he knew smash brothers and mario kart and he figured out like link had a whole game and he was like what and then like he now insists that i just play with him so like yeah it's dope man yeah it's dope gaming with yeah. your kid my, my daughter only understands and like is familiar with the visuals of like the <laughs> the, the paw patrol games and xbox game pass and then minecraft so when seeing like the realism of seeing miles morales and, and spider-man 2 like fighting these things she's like what the hell is this it looks like real people <laughs> fighting sand people uh yeah so that was kind of a, a special experience but for me i'll say this I, I started getting into it when it came out in december but um you know i'm excited to continue at co-op but it's avatar frontiers of pandora um yeah, yeah. eight years in development with like Lightstorm, like the like like james cameron's john Lando's team actually and the whole vfx crew and production design team of the films worked on this with uh massive entertainment to make a game it's basically um not to be reductionist but it, it's basically like far cry on pandora but bigger and it's like one of the most visually impressive games i've ever seen it's like a 200 square kilometer vista of pandora with the flying islands and ikron and all the creatures and all the living breathing uh flora and fauna as you walk around and how it interacts with you and like guess what day night cycle weather effects when it gets night all the bioluminescence kicks up it's just an insanely impressive visual game and has such deep mechanics into everything from crafting materials to like harvesting plants to make healing stuff you know what i mean it's just like it's the perfect version of that um and, cool. it, and it supports yeah. co-op in a proper way and and uh ubisoft has done like next level job on everything from accessibility to its ui to everything so it's like uh it's so far it's, it has the potential to be like a perfect open world style game which is rare to see so yeah that's interesting that's awesome yeah um that's cool uh yours? man i played it yeah i played a bunch of stuff at the end of the year like i was barely playing video games most of the year and then spider-man Assassin's Creed, Mirage, Mortal Kombat, uh, you play Alan that? Wake, Mortal Kombat, all like it all like all that shit dropped like right at the end. And then uh God of War Valhalla too, oh, like yeah. uh, Ragnarok Valhalla or whatever. It's like you know, roguelike uh thing. And man, I was just like I bought a PlayStation portal, um, which I call the uh the like the marriage saver. <laughs> because otherwise I was always just like downstairs, whereas like I could play most of those games in bed um like when ashley had gone to sleep and i like play for an hour and a half or something and it was like not a problem until i started playing god of war <laughs> and it's like a button masher oh, you know and so yeah. she's like was just like couldn't fucking sleep because i'm like hammering the buttons and stuff um i'll say for anybody who <laughs> like was thinking about buying one of those like the the external shit like trying to connect externally sucks like if you're outside of your house but man, it is seamless and I've had zero like stuttering and stuff like that. 
just like playing upstairs and connecting to my PS5, which down in my like home theater area downstairs. So like um, it is it is really, really cool. The headphone setup on it's a little bit weird. You can't just like plug headphones into it like really. But <laughs> what? Like it's, it's a little bit. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, no, I mean, so I use well, I use my Apple. I use my Apple AirPod Maxes right. for it. And it's like it has a audio jack. But like for that for that particular headset, you have to buy a very specific like audio jack that transmits back and forth as opposed to just like receive sound. What? So like for my yeah, so to use like a good set of headphones, like some people may need like a, you know, like, like depending on what you're using, because you can't uh, you can't connect Bluetooth headphones. That's basically the thing. You can only connect using the like proprietary PlayStation, whatever those ones are. I forget what they're called. They're those new ones, the little earbud ones. You can like do something like that through like PlayStation Link, but you can't connect Bluetooth headphones to it. That's so dumb. Um, You have to plug it. You have to plug directly in using an audio jack. And a lot of like Bluetooth headphones don't function that way. Right, right. So so that's the the only issue with it. But I'll say that's been really awesome. But um, I mean, Spider-Man was awesome. That Assassin's Creed for people that loved Assassin's Creed, but have been kind of overwhelmed by like Valhalla and uh, the one before that. I'm just spacing it. it um, Origins and um, Odyssey or whatever, I think. Yeah, and Odyssey. That's what I was thinking. Like those games were like massive and I played them, but like Mirage is a really great return to form for that series for people who love like Assassin's Creed 2 and 3 and stuff like that. But I mean, my favorite game was Alan Wake. I played it twice. <laughs> um like I initially was actually like really kind of put off by like all of the changes and how like like it's a lot more complicated this time like in terms of the gameplay like before it was just kind of like a shooty shooty dodging game. Well, it was more like flashlight, like, flashlight, battery reload, shooty, yes, shooty. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> but like this time, I mean, the, the way that the like flashlight and stuff works is a bit different, and like you were having to use. Like the the flashlight like wouldn't recharge and stuff, so you were more limited. And it's telling two different stories simultaneously that are kind of intertwined, and one's a bit more surreal, and the other one's like happening kind of more in like the real world. Like I was kind of just like put off by it initially, and then I grew to really appreciate it. Like the boss fights are better than like there's actual boss fights that are kind of thought out with like interesting mechanics. The environment is beautiful. The character of Saga, like I'm actually like really invested in her now, and like playing through it twice you get like a different ending and the different ending is kind of connected to the fact you've played it twice and like the reason you have to play it twice like it's really it's just really 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 good storytelling again and like it really builds on what the first game was which is a game that i obviously love but i kind of love for just like kind of weird reasons like I, I always used to tell Rob, it's like you could pick up the manuscript pages and sometimes the manuscript pages would tell you something that would happen ahead of time. And it was like the way that it played with narrative, I thought was really just kind of fun. Whereas like this actually like plays with narrative in like a pretty complex literary way. Um, and just, and I mean, managed to actually like somehow kind of exceed my expectations by the end of it. I just, I really dug it. So I'm a bit of a fanboy for Alan Wake and Remedy. I admit that, but <laughs> It has like, there's like a scene in it that's a full on musical, like in the middle of it that you kind of like play through, and that sounds ridiculous, but it's actually one of the coolest sequences in a video game like it's I've got ever played. Live action really FMVs, cool. right? Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's kind of what this like musical sequence is. It's like, you're, you're playing the character like in, you know, in the game, but like there's these screens and different things that you're kind of like walking past that are like, and it's playing that song that they did at the video game awards, yeah. Herald of darkness. And it's, it's just like really unique. And there are not a lot of studios that take risks the way that remedy does. And I, I think they, they have something really special with this kind of like Alan wake control interconnected universe that they're uh that they've they've sort of built i think they have two really great ips that are kind of under under utilized at this point like under discovered so um, um you just listen. i know i'm a fanboy for it so i you know i admit that but i i thought it yeah I thought it, you were alan wake for halloween man we know uh, I was, which I've told you that story before when I was like Halloween and Halloween and people were like, who the fuck are you? You're a dude with a flashlight. I was just a dude. Yeah. A dude <laughs> with a hoodie and a, like in a blazer and a flashlight. Yeah. That's, uh, I'm, that's so funny. You remember Of that. course I remember. Dude, you were obsessed yeah. with that game. That and I was, I love heavy it. rain or whatever the other problematic one was. Oh uh, yeah. I can't say that Quantic Dream has held up the way Remedy has for me. I, I, I'm not as into those games as I used to be. But. Um, yeah. Uh, you just listed about 500 hours of video games you played in the last month or whatever. <laughs> I don't know how you That's do true. it. I played, I, yeah, I really blew through a lot in the last like couple of I don't months. know how you do it, but uh, I haven't even played but, Control yet. That's how far behind I am. Um, oh, it's so good. Control's really great too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, sounds good though. Okay. So we had just like a couple other kind of fun categories to wrap. Do we want to talk 24, 2024 stuff or do we want to just save that for a separate podcast at this point? Um, so the other two, yeah. Okay. So let's just wrap up 2023 and then we'll, maybe we'll put 2024 most anticipated stuff with, uh, with that news when we do that in the next, okay. next one or whatever. Um, okay. So the other couple, just quick things. So favorite moment of 2023, personal achievement or a thing that happened involving you. I know what Rob's is. Um, what's yours, Ben? I think. Actually, let's get Kofi go first. We just rambled on about your Alan Wake love. It's true for a long time. So, okay, Kofi, um, favorite moment, personal achievement, or thing that happened involving you? Um, mine's just a deeper, longer answer. Uh, the short of it is uh, kind of recracking the code, figuring out some good stuff on the podcast front, and uh, really taking comic book nation to uh to bigger levels and and doing bigger things with it and uh having fun in the process and kind of uh there was this weird kind of convergence of time where you know i had this kind of validating moment for myself and what i was doing also you know uh rob and the screen rant team put out a 20th kind of anniversary celebration that yeah, really put a lot of things in perspective and it was just uh it was a good wake up year for me to just kind of uh get back to uh remembering who i am and what i do and and getting back to it man and just so the whole year was it was fun we had content again and uh yeah i remembered how to make use of that and uh it was a good time <laughs> that's awesome yeah that's awesome um, do you want to get, do you want me to guess yours, Rob, or do you want me to, well, go first let me add to Kofi. Kofi also mentioned as part of the comic book, uh, hopefully soon to be award-winning comic book nation also had their first ad rate. You mentioned Apple TV bought in on an ad, which is kind of a huge accomplishment. I say that as someone yeah. who's been doing podcasting with you guys for like a decade and a half and I've never done like a proper ad read never ever. So yeah. <laughs> maybe this year we change that. Um, 
yeah, yeah but so that's yeah, yeah props yeah. to you Kofi. i don't know how you do it you do it every day and you keep up with like not just like one beat but like every beat and still have to host and work with uh you know rotating crew of hosts as well it's kind of a kind of insane it's a it's a workhorse it is very insane on camera no less. Very, on camera no less yeah it's right? very and live live and i do it backwards in heels you just never get to see the heels yeah, yeah. i actually saw you on twitter <laughs> today i feel like you guys were on either twice or a lot today because like i saw you in your background with your christmas decoration and stuff and it's always at the top right yeah no i had to page. hop on with that star wars I thing happen so. now yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now we're coming out like season six man i gotta be ready for stop drop and roll news like ben affleck becomes batman again i gotta be on camera when you say season six what does I that mean is that like annual thing uh every year we reset they stack them by season so this okay. is our sixth season i've I been see. doing this That's for cool, six man. years that's crazy. Yeah, over I, half a decade. It's, I, I know people will think it's bullshit and it's just kind of like us blowing smoke up each other's asses and stuff. But like, like Comic Book Nation is the is really the only other like kind of comic booky type podcast. Like the same oh, thing man, that we I'm do sorry. here. Yeah, I can recommend a few. Good <laughs> oh no, no. I mean, it's like no, you have so many of my friends and stuff on there and stuff. Like people that I know that I I love. Uh, I just love listening. To you guys. Well, it's also it's the cool. it's like it, it's it's the most consistent. It's always there and it's on every yeah, platform. I always have my feeds open and it, and it's always there. Yeah, and it's, it's it's very well branded. Of, of course, Kofi, you're the, we see you, we love you. We, we that's part of the reason, obviously. But it's also the only one, and I follow every competitor and train everything that's part of my job right but you guys are actually there always which is a kind of a, a big thing i think other sites are going to try to copy maybe us one day who knows but um yeah it's a yeah. cool thing hey man everybody yeah. copy it so that i have many options in case they don't treat me right. <laughs> <laughs> that's good perspective so I can just easily slide over yeah, yeah. Oof, yeah. never know these shifting um, tides out here yeah there's a, <laughs> a lot going on in this entertainment world yeah. Yeah. yeah man. Um, okay. So, am I guessing yours? Or you oh, yeah. Go for it. I go for it. Mine? I think it was your National Geographic. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. I, that I, had to be like the trip of a fucking life. Yeah. Thing, I actually, so. you know, this year in general, I mean, coming out of COVID, which is so crazy to say that it's been COVID started, what, four years, three years ago? I can't even keep track. Um, this year. By the way, before you get into this story, I have to get, I had to go to the black office and, and get a review because Rob's been to Africa before I have. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot went into this. So, so I mean, Ben, you were at Screaming when I kind of started my relationship with Nat Geo like seven years ago, and it's 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 it, from the beginning is kind of a personal passion project of mine that I'm very lucky yeah. to coincide with with Screaming and stuff. Um, what they do is very unique in the world of film and television, um, and it definitely speaks to my personal interests, like you know, growing up on a farm and wanting to be outdoors. And um, I started with their sci-fi space programming, and which I loved. But when uh, the people I worked with started taking over Nat Geo Wild stuff, it really struck a chord. And I got to do some really cool things from diving with sharks and Navy SEALs to riding horses up a mountain in Yellowstone with, with, during a thunderstorm and saving people as their horses ran down during a clash. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah to, to meeting Jack Hanna at a zoo. He flew out just to meet me, to holding and petting a cheetah. Like, it's crazy, crazy shit. And like five, six years ago, I, I had a conversation with them about doing one of these big trips to Africa for a couple of shows and it never happened. And then Disney acquired Fox, which is owned Nat Geo and that kind of derailed things. And of course COVID hit. So this is the first sort of thing of done. They've done anything in, in four years. Um, and yeah, I got to go to Tanzania for, for a full week and, and visit three different areas. And it was kind of magical. And I got to do it with one of the most sought after award-winning wildlife cinematographers the world has ever seen and a showrunner for like the biggest flagship show Nat Geo has ever made. So it was pretty special. And it's not geo so they don't mess around like we went up to the leopards in the trees you know what i mean so um i got to see everything every animal possibly listed at the best time of year 
from lion cubs to uh like just gigantic families of elephants coming right up to our window like in the wild in the serengeti and then i got to go up to the top of the and grow and grow crater eight thousand feet above sea level um and uh you know be you know walked to my hut by a, a maasai guardsman and visit a maasai uh, uh boma you know what i mean these are like the natives that live there yeah. um so it's very very magical experience that uh, we're gonna be sharing a lot of stuff about this year so that was a cool one and the other one kofi already mentioned as well it's it's celebrating 20 years in, in my personal 15 years of screen rant and um days after the sag strike waking up to a message from the rock singing his happy birthday for a minute and a half and then tom hiddleston kind of overpowering his publicist to also talk to us for 10 minutes and do the same thing. So that was kind of, <laughs> you know, um, and uh, I, I know Kofi to bring this partly full circle, like you talked about always sunny. I talked about how it's always been part of my, like, I love these OGFX shows like Archer and that, and I love how the always sunny guys have this podcast because it really puts things in perspective. But, but another show Kofi put on me years ago is workaholics. Um, and I don't know if Kofi, if you listen to the workaholics podcast, cause they're doing the same thing that always sunny did. Hmm. I think we lost him. Anyways, Adam Devine from uh, well, I think he actually is disconnecting. You back? I'm, yeah, I wasn't disconnected. I was in the kitchen just sneaking. Oh, some sorry, uh, sorry, no worries. I was gonna say if you listen to the Workaholics podcast, I have not. I didn't oh. even know it existed yet. Yeah, well, because Always Sunny hasn't done one in months. You should listen to that because I think you'd love it. It's the same thing, but but for Workaholics, which is I show you. I know you liked. Um, Anyways, Adam Devine also like sent a message and happy birthday. All, all these cool things. So that was kind of a – it made me feel good that these people were willing to do that when they don't have to and they're not paid to and it's on their own. You know, people like James Gunn, who we followed from the beginning. So um, I love that, and that actually meant something because I was able to pull that together in a matter of like 40 hours right after the SAG strike ended while I was in L.A. for a completely different work reason. So um, that was really cool. So those are my two, I guess, big ones for the, for the year for sure. What, nice. What about you, Benny? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm kind of, you know, like I'm a little bit disconnected a bit more from like the actual like, you know, publishing of it all since like what I do at Static is is more kind of like SEO and reporting and strategy and stuff like that. So it's like I don't, you know, get the grand adventures or like, you know, like I still, you know, I still get screeners. I still go see movies and stuff like that. But I took on some like really interesting challenges this year and it's like it's been it's been satisfying to like kind of be in publishing in like a different capacity and be challenged in different ways so that's been that's been really rewarding and a lot of a lot of fun for me and then just like personally like this was the first year that like our daughter with all the holidays and stuff was like really kind of understood Christmas and was like excited about her elf on a shelf and you know stuff like that and so it was just it was a really fun year of like revisiting the end of the year especially of like revisiting a lot of like Hollywood or Hollywood holiday things that I loved like we watched the Grinch that stole Christmas you know or how the Grinch that stole Christmas and stuff like the old the old one we grew up watching the animated one from like you know the 60s or whatever and like just watching that with her and getting her to like get excited about some of these like characters and like holiday traditions she was like listening to a lot of like alvin and the chipmunk songs you know like christmas christmas songs and stuff and so just kind of the seeing her start to like experience pop culture things that kind of meant a lot to me as a kid around the holidays was just like really fun for me as a parent um so that has been really exciting also she knows like all the star wars characters names and stuff that's cool totally obsessed with star wars so that's been a 
that's been fun. But yeah, I mean, I think like professionally, it's, it's just, you know, like trying to build, build these other websites and catch up to you fuckers, and, <laughs> you know, trying to apply myself in some different ways. But it's been, uh, it's been fun. I think the last thing that we had here was like just biggest, uh, biggest surprise or shock of, of 2020. Yeah. It's, it's probably a good place to the end. The craziest or biggest news stories or whatever that you kind of yeah. saw or <clears throat> connected with, I guess, this year. Yeah. Do you want to, uh, you want to start, Rob? Yeah. I, feel I mean, like you would have something in there. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of things that happened this year, obviously. I mean, uh, you know, the biggest thing that kind of sh- changed everything, I suppose, was the, the strikes, right? The WGA SAG strikes. It, 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 it erased billions yeah. from the economy industry. It, and, you know, it also made, you know, with, the, how crazy social media is these days, the AMPTP and like all the studio heads became like real life villains. You know what I mean? Including Bob Iger. Yeah. He became like a guy who used to be so PR savvy, like really fucked up with that big interview he did in Sun Valley and then other things he said. And of course, David Zaslav at Warner Brothers Discovery, everything he did was evil from shelving Batgirls, everything he said about, <laughs> you know, about, the, yeah. about the strikers and everything. And, uh, you know, the, the effects it had on IATSE and the Teamsters who their contract is up next year. So we're going to see potentially more strikes. They were the ones who were completely financially ruined by this. Um, just a weird thing. And, and a big part of all these conversations was AI and how that's changing everything too, which we're seeing everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's in, it's in Photoshop now, AI, and it's in, it's in final draft for software. It's in everything. So, um, yeah, it's, that's, you know, kind of industry shaking things. And I, I would also add to that while this is happening, we had the, uh, and our fans might care more about this, but the complete implosion of Marvel DC <laughs> this year, yeah. <laughs> and both are in a rebuild phase, um, which is interesting. So, yeah, I think that was that was probably going to be mine. It's just like, you know, the three of us have been saying for years, you know, that all of this wasn't like sustainable, and like have been really critical. I think of these these you know these studios like putting out all this superhero content that we at one point really like you know, knew a lot more about than the mainstream public did. And like, we've seen this industry kind of grow up, like this industry sort of grew up around us. And we, you know, we spearheaded some of that. And now it's like, you know, we're seeing like a lot of our colleagues that are like slightly younger than us, like, like kind of experience this collapse, which is something that we had been sort of saying for a long time. And I like one of the things that I always remember, Rob, is you talking about the consolidation of like Marvel Studios being like a bad thing because you don't get guardians of the galaxy if you have fantastic four and the x-men and stuff and it's like we're kind of beginning to see why that was a problem because instead of getting you know kind of new ips and stuff like that like everything has been so avengers focused and we're kind of finding out like a lot of these characters that they've like acquired and like tried to build up and tried to bring in just like kind of aren't working like they kind of can't they can't capture like the momentum that they had. And I mean, it's happening on DC too. I mean, we're not, I'm not trying to excuse that side of the, Whoa, no, don't, don't, don't. What about is a miss shit. No, Marvel did exactly what Rob said. They took all the properties and all the toys. Now there's a log jam. Now, now it's going to be 10, 10 fucking years before we see Shang-Chi because universal isn't working on Shang-Chi too. Well, Marvel studios is still, like getting its shit worked out with 50 Disney plus series and a Marvel's movie, you know, like, yeah, no, yeah. DC's not, I mean, that's not quite there yet. That's yeah. Like, I mean, no, I, I agree. I just mean like, I'm looking at like Aquaman too. Right. And it's just like, I mean, a movie that was like in the flash, I guess, but yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but yeah, I mean, look, it's those simple. are uh, DC is funny because yeah, both those stars just both of the stars really collapsed around those movies. <laughs> like, yeah, Jason Momoa <laughs> went through a divorce. Ezra Miller, they just went wherever yeah. they go. Into yeah, the uh, this is the Amber Heard effect too. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Amber Heard was in that movie. Yeah, <laughs> we wondered, we wondered how much she was going to be in that movie. She's actually in that movie a lot. We didn't end up talking about no, it. Is not a lot. I have Brother, not seen it. Not a lot. She's not. I mean, in it's more than lot. it's more than I thought she was going to be on the trailer. Ben, they do the classic whenever there's a problematic <laughs> star thing. They do the same shit to her, the same shit they For did, sure. or just like, yeah, Rob. There's a spoiler, but the, this is not a very big spoiler. But they basically they 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 do a mid film sideline where like she's in the beginning <laughs> and she's in the end, but for reasons she can't be in the middle at all. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I mean, it's it's true. But like based on the trailers, I mean, she's not in the trailer. I think people thought she was going to be in it even less than she is. But maybe I, I mean, went in with fair. different expectations. But well, she straight out. Yeah, she kind of in some of those court proceedings, she was kind of blaming like Momoa for stuff. You know what I mean? Allegedly. And yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I, I was going to make a joke, like, but I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think. <laughs> it, it is exactly what we had kind of, and I, you know, this isn't like us trying to be like, oh, you know, we saw this kind of, like, I'm not trying to brag. It's like kind of a bummer because there were some projects that were in development that I was like really excited about on the Marvel side that are kind of, it seems like not going to happen now because, you know, they're sort of having to retool everything because they've clogged everything Bro, up. Bro, quiet like a little bitch. You still get Madam Web and Craven this year. You're good. <laughs> that Madam Web, total new IP. You never saw that coming. <laughs> Craven just I still man that I can't wrap my head around that looks ridiculous <laughs> anyway did uh wait did Rob do his shocking Ben you did yours I, I just yeah yeah mine. Rob did his yeah um his. mine is just just really simply um it was shocking in the entertainment industry last year how many ways it was supposed to be the return to post-pandemic life. The money, the content was supposed to be back. And goddamn, if we didn't just get an entire encyclopedia on how to blow the bag last year. <laughs> like, the amount of different ways that people just sat around blowing the bag personally, as companies, as industries, it was fucking phenomenal. <laughs> like, from Kanye to... Bob Iger and all of the studio execs of Hollywood yeah. to just different franchises that fuck things up or stars that like fuck things up for the franchise. Yeah, like people were true. just really like hating money last year. They were just, there were just so many different ways that we were just all like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, and it just got funnier when Sony's like pushing and craving and shit like that. I'm like, you really think we're going to fucking care in a year from now <laughs> about craving? Like, my God, like you guys have really just, you guys are blowing the bag. Like it is insane. Can I, can I add wait? to that? That's totally right. No. I, Marvel it, Studios is killing everybody. Spider-Verse is even killing half their staff. Like game, like it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm sorry, Rob. Go ahead. No, I was going to add to that. I think that, yeah, I think that, that encompasses like so many of the big things. Like you look at the game industry, like E3 fucking died. They just straight up canceled. Like we're done. 
Never happened yeah. again. And this is a year right. which had like the biggest record like ever for like high quality releases and sales. But it's also the year where they had laid off the most amount of people in the game industry ever. Yeah. So like, how could they? How do you reconcile like record breaking revenues and sales with like all these firings and the biggest event all being shut down? It's just because a- last year was it was a corrective year. Like totally, people don't want to say it out loud, but there's been this massive call because during the pandemic. People got, they thought they had good ideas, but we were really just all panicked and stir crazy. And we had a lot of nuts <laughs> ideas. Yeah. And so we tried to all buy Pelotons and, and fucking change <laughs> our lives for the apocalypse. True. And then that shit ended. And now like, we're like, oh, first we have to pay back a bunch of bills. Second, we have to, all this shit we invested in and is now ready. Nobody gives a fuck anymore. Like it was a two year to three year production line and nobody gives a fuck anymore. Yep. Nobody yeah. wants this half-assed. Back in 2020, we would take whatever half-assed shit you could manage to squeak out because we were so desperate for content to distract us from the horror of our lives. <laughs> now, <laughs> nobody gives a fuck. Like, you got to actually produce something. And yeah. all you have is all the mountain of half-assed shit you pushed out back then. So, like, you couldn't work on that in 2020. So, in 2021, everybody got to work, and now all that work is just bullshit. We're like, you, you pushing this out, bro? So it's true. I mean, by 2020, now we have to look ahead to 2025 when we realized in 2023 that everything was fucked and we made new plans. And in 2025, those new plans will start to come to fruition. Yeah. I mean, hopefully the uh, it is true, though. I mean, you look at just like the slate of films. It's like, you know, there were a lot of good ones. There were ones that were exciting. You know, we were talking about Barb and Hammer and all these other things. Barb and Hammer, you know, that we we liked previously on this podcast. But man, just a lot of like mid shit you know whereas like movies that came out that like could have been exciting or whatever and just like just weren't like they just weren't they were bro you i think we mentioned a killer on this yeah that's the perfect example of shit that was just put out that we saw and then like most of us forgot yeah yeah i mean it's uh like yeah i mean even just looking at some of this like the marvels and you know, I mean, some of these movies in a different year might have had a different fate, but man, it they also, but you also could look at something like the Marvels and be like, yeah, it was a lot of fun, but it was a mess. Like there were things about it that were a mess and it's like, they're just like trying to make these deadlines and push shit out with unfinished effects. And yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a bummer that they kind of everybody jumped the gun and didn't slow down a little bit more because some of these things could have probably been saved and <laughs> what about the Expendables? I mean, fucking Expendables made less money than Iron Claw. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm probably never going to watch that movie. Um, yeah, <clears throat> Kofi kind of gave us the play-by-play of the only funny scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the streaming's a mess, man. I know, I know. Kofi mentioned the executives and stuff like that, and so did I. But like, you know, HBO Max like dropping. HBO, <laughs> just calling it this meaningless <laughs> brand name. Like Amazon's bringing ads to their Prime service. Like just crazy dumb shit. And now all the companies that left Netflix are now licensing content back to Netflix. The whole DC slate's on fucking Netflix now. It's yeah. like, what is going on? Like Paramount just dropped all their Star Trek movies except the Pine ones. It's like, what? Uh, and and now they're, they're, you know, they're trying to figure out live. The streamers who are supposed to be like this binge model are, are exploring live TV. We have like MLS on Apple, NBA, and HBO Max. And you got the SAG Awards on Netflix. All this like, what is happening? The, yeah. whole, the whole streaming industry is fucked, except for you know Netflix is coming out on top. <laughs> it's gonna yeah. go back to the old ways, which is maybe a good thing, I guess. But so weird, yeah. My mom and I were actually we were having lunch. They were talking about that because she was like, "I want to watch that 
only murders in the building she's like is that on peacock or is that on hulu and i was like well no it's on hulu and she was like oh okay so i guess i gotta get hulu she's like are they packaging these things yet and I, like How like is it their cable channel like, 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 you just need one button it, it all should be in one thing it, it's gonna move yeah. that way there'll be a well that's that's the thing that the industry has forgotten and it's the thing i used to say about screen rant when we started out and people would get like trying to write these crazy out in the weeds articles about their geek expertise they'd be like look that's all great, but never forget, like, when you're on the internet, you got to be considerate of the dumbest motherfucker who's out there. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the same thing with entertainment. Like, people don't want to yeah. work for entertainment. A Netflix queue was too challenging for people, but somehow in 2020, we thought, well, if we just break all the content up and everybody has their own streaming service and you have to find this shit and now you need websites to look up where is it streaming and which services is it on. I, don't know, I have to rent it or buy it. Like, where is it? I, I mean, I have all the streaming services, like pretty much. And even now I have to go to the internet to figure out where shit is yep, just yeah. between like the six or seven services I have. I'm like, I can't track this shit down. Which one is it on? Like, yeah. And now they're bringing back yeah. ads. It's even more complex than cable used to be. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't and then believe that like, Amazon I mean, is the fucking one to bring back ads too. It's like, does Amazon need another way to make money? Like, I don't. <sighs> Like it literally, I don't buy shit anywhere except Amazon anymore. And like, I think, I think it was just a loss that... leader model. Like the, you know, prime was just a free thing you got if you were a prime right. shopper. Right. And now they're yeah. like, okay, now we're going to start milking it because like linear TV's dying, ad rates are falling. So all that shit's coming back. It's all going to go to streaming. I mean, Netflix is an ad tier now yeah. and things like Tubi have shown like there's a free model out there. People, people will watch ads. There's a, there is a yeah. business to be had there. And if linear TV's dying and sports and live shit's moving over, like, this is what it's going to be. And Disney will have a version of that, I'm sure. And uh, it's the consolidation is what, what the interesting part, like, you know, Paramount's up for sale is Warner, you know, rumors and stuff for what, what happens there. And Apple is always these long rumors about Apple getting Disney, which won't happen, but you know what I mean? So and on the streaming front, like there's, there's talk of like these packaged things. You can kind of do it now, you can, even on Amazon and, Apple, you can go to your service and you can add a subservice to it. Like, you know what I mean? And here in Canada, we have Crave, which combines like stars and AMC and HBO. I think there's going to be bigger yeah. versions of that at some point. It's going to take a while, but that's the only way they can maintain getting a hundred dollars a month from users as opposed to them oh, having God, they got to get this down to like, yeah, VHS or beta. Come on. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just fast forward and like, tell us what it's going to be. Like, it's a, I, yeah. I'm exhausted. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully 2024 is the year this shit makes a bit more sense. At least a lot of these streamers have, like, backed Ugh. off some of their original programming and stuff. Like, we're not going to get flooded with quite as much because, like, they know they over-fucking-did it. But... No, but the prices will go up any, despite that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, guys. Well, I, I mean, to end on that positive note. <laughs> you know, there's positive news. Like, Look, the GTA 6 was finally announced. Come on now. Look, oh, guys, another, speaking of old school screen. It doesn't come out until 2025, though. But it was announced. It was announced. Yeah, the promised land, 2025, baby. Yeah. You got to make um, it till then. Look, here's yeah. a positive story. We already talked Get back about back in a year. You know, I was writing about this 15 years ago. Video game adaptations are a thing now. You guys talked about The Last of Us. Mario made over a billion dollars despite sucking. And it's like, you know, Fallout, Amazon's throwing all the money behind it and brought it to CCXP last year. And they announced Legend of Zelda last year. And, you know, the, you know our boy Avi Arad launched that Laserhawk thing on Netflix. So, you know, yep. it's finally happening, guys. We're finally here. Just as Marvel and DC fall apart, 
video game adaptations are taking <laughs> over. Here we go. That was Addy Shankar. Did you say Javier Rod? Oh, my Adi God. Addy Shankar, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got Spider-Man in my brain. You got your modern web <laughs> yeah. jokes. Friend of the show, fucking Avi Arad. Could you imagine? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> We've been yeah. shitting on that guy for like almost two decades now. You know what it was? It's because uh, he he's uh, the guy I wrote about who bought all the rights to things like yes, Lost Planet yeah, and all the video sure. game stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. But, no, yeah, I no, think no, there's no, a guy no. making it happen though, Castlevania and stuff. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. man. That's funny though. Um, all right. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm obviously joking. There's a lot of cool stuff coming in 2024. We'll talk about that probably on our next uh, next episode. Maybe we'll try and get something together for you guys sooner rather than later. Um, we appreciate everybody sticking with us during kind of our, our hiatus. Like I said, just, you know, a lot of moving pieces with family and the holidays and everything. And we, uh, we never want to come on here if we're not like, you know, really ready to kind of commit our commit some time and like give you guys a good show. So um that'll do it for this week's episode i'm ben kendrick you can uh follow me on you know x formerly twitter all the things the threads the instagrams um if you know you want to catch me there uh check out what i'm doing over at static media we run looper and slash film mr rob keys yeah i'm rob underscore keys that's k-e-y-e-s on twitter and fail cube on instagram and you can check out uh, our stuff on uh, screen rant awesome and uh special guest kofi outlaw I'm at comicbook.com and the Comic Book Nation podcast. You can also find me anywhere at Kofi Outlaw. There is only me. Awesome. That will do it for this week's episode. Um, we'll, uh, we'll be back soon with our uh, 2024 Most Anticipated, as well as maybe catch up on some of this news and some of these shows. Echo comes out. I mean, it's like literally out as we are beginning to record this. Um, it's what I should be doing right now, you fucks. Let's go. Yeah. Same. All let's right. go. <laughs> All right. We got to go watch Echo. Bye, guys. Bye.